Good morning and greetings in Christ's name to each one here this morning. I want to welcome everyone here. Also, just for myself as a, as a minister here, I want to welcome Brother Stephen into our, our membership here. And um, I just echo with Louie. Um, let's um, just all welcome him in. And um, he is one of us. And uh, I just uh, appreciated those uh, verses you shared there, Stephen, this, especially the first one there stuck out to me as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. And then on into believing and, and the, the message of salvation there. And uh, that's why we're here this morning. We're here to commemorate what that serpent in the wilderness was signifying of Christ and his death for mankind. It's a blessing to be gathered together to commemorate the uh, Lord's Supper or the communion service. Here for the first time, as Brother Louis mentioned, and I stand up here this morning, I feel unworthy to bear this message. I don't believe I have anything really new to share to anyone here this morning. But uh, also echoing uh, some of Louis' thoughts there, I was thinking about it, how that some here have probably sat in about as many communion services and partaken as services that they have not partaken in. Like, looking at some of you older ones, I guess. But then for some of you, it's the first time. And um, I just trust that whether it's the first time or whether it's more times than you've not partaken of communion, I trust that each one of us will be blessed as we again consider what Christ has done for us. Communion is a commemoration of the sufferings of Christ. And in Luke chapter 22, we have the account, and also in Matthew and John, I'm not planning to read from there at this time, but later I want to. But where, he, where Christ institutes the Lord's Supper, and I don't know exactly what that, Lord's Supper looked like. I was um, reading some time ago, a week or so ago, in a book written by a, a brethren man, and he would say what we do here is not the Lord's Supper. Okay? So the Brethren Church, uh, my understanding is that they actually have what they call the Love Feast. And I do imagine that Jesus, yes, he and his disciples had sat down for the, the <coughs> Passover meal or a part of that uh, meal. And uh, actually just mentioning to Louie and Matt this morning about how um, in Luke it says that Jesus took the cup and passed it around. And then he served the bread. But then it says that he, he served the blood, the wine, again. 
And Louis said that the cup the first time there was the Passover cup. So I guess we don't need to figure out all the technicalities here. And um, I'm not here to say that having a love feast is right or wrong or that um, I guess I believe that what we do here this morning is scriptural in partaking of the, the bread as uh, signifying the body of Christ, his broken body, and also the juice signifying his blood that was shed for us. This is a commemoration of extreme significance to us as Christians as we consider that it is because of this that we are who we are in Christ. The disciples, I don't believe they understood what was going on as Jesus served that first communion service. And I'm not sure that I myself fully grasp it. I think of the disciples. They were, as Jesus served this communion, he was serving it, looking ahead. And they couldn't fully grasp what he was telling them, I don't believe. And while we look back on what Christ has done, there is that significance in, significance in communion. But there's also a significance of looking forward. Looking forward to, maybe you'd say, perfect communion, eternal communion with God as we are with him in heaven, as we sit down to the marriage supper of the Lamb. Our foresight is limited, but we have enough foresight that this morning we can look forward. We long for that eternal communion with Christ. As we consider the significance of communion, my mind is drawn to the first, I believe it's the first messianic promise in the Bible, which is in Genesis chapter 3, where Jesus said, in verse 15, he said, I will put enmity between thee and the woman. He was speaking to the serpent. And between thy seed and her seed, it, speaking of the seed of the woman, it shall bruise thy head. And that was speaking of Jesus. And thou shalt bruise his heel. Speaking of Satan. And this prophecy of Christ, this first prophecy that we read, falls right after the fall of man. Man so needed a savior. And the question came to me, what was the communication? What was the relationship between Adam and God at this point? Or after this point? We don't really read much about Adam after this. He was driven out of the Garden of Eden 
Um, we don't read much more. There was a gulf that was created between the holy God and sinful mankind. And in the Old Testament, we do know that God provided a covering of sin through an offering of blood. And so I guess that brings me back to my question of the relationship between God and Adam. And even though we don't specifically read about that, we know that God took animal skins and clothed Adam and Eve with those animal skins. What did it take for those animal skins? It took the shedding of blood. And so I, I look at that and I um, say it's, it's very possible that there was a blood offering made there for Adam and Eve's sin and that they could have communion with God, even though it was different than what they enjoyed before in the garden. And as we come down through history from beyond Adam and Eve and their fall in the garden there, we look at the Old Testament. We look at the, even in the New Dispensation and history, we see the wranglings of mankind with evil. Thinking of the Old Testament, we can look at Cain and his life. He slew his brother, and then from there on, it was not a life of righteousness, from what I understand. You can think of the men in Noah's day. They were an ungodly people. The Tower of Babel, where God came down and intervened in the work and the evil of man. I think of Lot, who chose to head towards Sodom and ended up in Sodom and the evil there. I think of Jacob and Esau and just the, the, um, the conflict there between the two, the hatred, the deception. We can read about the kings of Israel, the nation of Israel, and just see that evil was present and there was much wrangling with evil. And we could look on down through New Dispensation history as well and see that that continues. And you know, for myself, I can look within my own life as well and just see the battles, the struggles with sin. And I I guess I'm disappointed, I'm ashamed of myself as I think of how I lack in trust of Almighty God so often. And just how I try to figure out life myself, even spiritual things. And just what a waste of time that is. Getting my attention wrapped up in the stuff of this earth. Such a waste. Brothers and sisters, I need a bridge 
I need a span over that gulf between me and God. And this morning, I'm thankful for Jesus Christ and his sacrifice that spans that gulf. I'd like to turn to Isaiah chapter 53 and look a little bit at Jesus here and what he did. As we consider here what Christ has done for us in this passage, I just want to, um, especially beginning in verse 4, I just want to read through this slowly and consider what Christ has done for us. You know, we think about fairness as people, at least I do. I like when things are fair. And I think we all have a, at least a degree of that. But as we look down through this passage here this morning, I can't, I can't see fairness in this. There's some pronouns that come through here. The pronoun he, we'll see it in verse 4, he, our. And there's kind of that, back and forth there. The pronouns that refer to Jesus and the pronouns that refer to me personally or to us as people in general. Who hath believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of a dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness. And when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Just pausing there a minute, you know, Christ came down from the glories of heaven. And he didn't experience any of this the rejection, the sorrow and grief and being turned away from. He didn't experience any of that in heaven. He had perfect communion with his Father all the time. It was, that was the presence he was within. And then he came down from heaven for you and me. And what he faced on this earth was worse than what I've faced, worse than what we face. Verse 4, Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes 
we are healed. All we, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. That says all. All. We. That covers everyone. Have turned astray. And the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shears is dumb, so he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment, and who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off out of the land of the living, for the transgression of my people was he stricken. And he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death. Because he had done no violence, neither was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see the travail of his soul, and shall be satisfied. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore will I divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he hath poured out his soul unto death. And he was numbered with the transgressors, and he bare the sin of many, and made intercession for the transgressors. Yet, it pleased the Lord to bruise him. This was God's plan. This was God's design. The offering of Christ's blood for the salvation of mankind. Isaiah shares the prophecy in the past tense. I, I enjoy reading it in that way. Um, it, it was so real to Isaiah that this prophecy and uh, I, I just wonder what Isaiah understood I, I don't know but I guess just uh, looking in my Bible here you know this could have been maybe over 700 years before Christ gave his life but you know even though it was in the future for Isaiah, it's really personal as we look on it on the past tense for you and I today, that this happened, that Christ gave himself. With his stripes, we are healed. 
Now jumping to Luke chapter 22. Christ institutes the Passover here, what we would call the communion. I'm sorry, he institutes the communion, the Lord's Supper. And we don't read the word communion in here. Um, I'll get to that word after we read here. Beginning in verse 15, Luke twenty-two fifteen, And he said unto them, With desire I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say unto you, I will not any more eat thereof until it be fulfilled in the kingdom of God. We see here the longing with desire I have desired to eat this Passover. Christ had a longing. There was an added significance because it was not just simply going to be the Passover as they knew it for so many years among the Israelites. Christ was adding something to that. Verse 17, And he took the cup and gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among yourselves. That's where I was referring to the cup and what would have been the Passover cup. For I say unto you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God shall come. And he took the bread and gave thanks and break it and gave unto them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. Likewise also the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you. Communion signifies a connection. That connection, the connection, with the other side of that gulf we talked about. The word communion, I mentioned, isn't in here in Luke 22. I only found it in the book, the books of Corinthians. Paul used the word communion. And those of you who pay a little attention to the Greek would uh, probably be uh, familiar with the word koinonia, which is the word that communion comes from. And another word that I found translated into the New Testament from that same word is the word fellowship. And there's also uh, the word participation is a word that's used to define that word. Jesus was personally giving an invitation to participate of his body and blood, the sacrifice that brings us to God. That's what was happening here in Luke 22 and what he has called us to do as Christians now in the new dispensation. He said this do in remembrance of me. Be a participant with me in my sufferings, my body and my blood. This morning, as we partake of communion, we are recognizing our need 
for the sacrifice of Jesus. We recognize our straying nature from Christ, and we recognize our inability to span that gulf between our sinful selves and the holy, the almighty God. We are partakers of his atoning sacrifice. Being a participant of the body and blood of Christ is getting really close to him. If we are participating. The question that came to me, have I got close enough to feel the pain of the broken body of Jesus? Have I got close enough to get stained with the blood of Jesus? Brothers and sisters, I trust that that's our desire to walk so closely with Jesus, to experience, to continually experience his cleansing work within our lives, the work that he would continue to do. And this morning, as we partake of the Lord's Supper, may we do it, yes, solemnly, but also mixed with joy because of what Christ has done for us. If we look at the other side, if it were not for the cleansing blood of Christ, where would we be? And so I think as we consider that, where Christ has brought us, it brings to us a soberness, but it also brings to us a mixture of joy with it. And may that be our experience here this morning. Let's kneel for prayer.